HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast. I'm Alexis Santos, a senior producer at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed Podcast, I'm speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. I'm very excited today to be joined by Joshua Walbolt, aka at Love Food More on social media. Joshua is a chef, recipe and content creator, YouTuber, small business owner, father, and much more. He specializes in global cuisine, especially Southeast Asian. Welcome to the podcast, Joshua. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So take me back to the beginning. So I know you have a very interesting history with like your food journey and all that, but how did this all start? What like what is your background with like food and family? Like what where is your family from and what type of food did you grow up with? Definitely. So like food is a, the center of every family gathering we had. Like if there wasn't food, it wasn't complete. And we always celebrated like, you know, the classic American holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, but we always brought like our flavors, our cuisine to those parties. So we always had big bowls of noodle soup, curry noodle soups and like uh, summer rolls and egg rolls and beef satay and those kind of things always showed up. And I always loved it, but uh, I never knew anything outside of that. Like, as far as I only knew how to cook those things and everything else I thought you had to buy. So, like, yeah. I didn't think you could make homemade pizza. I didn't think you could make homemade burgers. <laughs> so, it was like, really, my, my mind was really limited. And this is at a very young age, at like eight years old. But, like, <laughs> my family all loved food and it just stuck with me. Yeah. So where is your family from? Uh, my mom's Cambodian and my dad's Thai. Ooh. So they met here Yummy in the stuff. States. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it's like some of the best food is there and I yeah. love it. So I think I was blessed to be born to 
delicious flavors. <laughs> yes, that could be the title of your book, <laughs> Delicious Flavors. I like it. <laughs> Literally, though. So where did you grow up then? I actually grew up in Minnesota. Okay. So a real mix. So you were probably like eating a lot of like traditional, you know, food from where your parents were from, but then like in Minnesota <laughs> with like a lot of American stuff too. Definitely. It was always that mix of food. Like I always had like meat and potato dishes, you know, very comforting classic American food because that's actually what my dad liked to eat. So him being home most of the time, um, that's what we would have. Like they would just order food from McDonald's, KFC. That's what we actually grew up eating. And it was only on like the family holidays or when my mom was home that we eat these really classic uh, dishes from Cambodia or Thailand. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So they kind of like, they leaned a little hard into the, the Midwest culture. At exactly. That point. So like I never actually grew to appreciate, you know, Southeast Asian cuisine until later after going to culinary school. So I'm, I'm learning about it now more and more, and I'm starting to specialize in that. I'm keeping my yeah. focus on that. Interesting. I would have thought it was the opposite. I would have thought that they like had you into that because you're so passionate and so like talented with that, you know, cuisine. So this has all just been kind of like later in life for you to pick all that up, basically. Definitely. And the first thing I actually cooked was pizza. That's the first thing <laughs> I ever made. Yeah, it was pizza. Then I turned to fried chicken sandwiches. And then, you know, it was uh, pho, which is a Vietnamese noodle soup. Yeah. Which you call with you. And like, even after all that, like I always went back to cooking pizza and fried chicken sandwiches and spaghetti. Like it was just like the first thing I grew up was like cook or first thing I cooked was like Mediterranean food. And I stuck with that for a while. Then I got into French and then now I want to cook Asian food. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, luckily, like you said, kind of global, global cuisines. I mean, it's your, I feel like it's very cool to have a skill set and so many different types of cuisines rather than just being like pigeonholed into one thing, you know? Definitely. It keeps, keeps things exciting for me. And I think anybody I feed. Yeah, absolutely. So who was, was it your mom or your dad who was kind of doing more of that traditional cooking? Like, did you have more, I guess, of their Thai food growing up or was it more of the Cambodian side or, you know, who was kind of doing most of the cooking at that point? Yeah. So my dad would cook on the holidays like mm -hmm. he like it's an interesting story because my dad was adopted by an american man so oh. his dad died at a very young age and they him and his mom my grandma moved over to the states when he was probably eight years old so he's he grew up eating a lot of american food and that's a lot of the reason why i think we grew up eating it as well so he would make like Swedish meatballs on like and, you know New Year's Eve and like you know like those little sausages and like that barbecue sauce kind of stuff. And then yeah. when my mom was home, she'd be making all the Cambodian food, like the beef skewers and uh, egg rolls and uh, noodle dishes and stuff like that. So, but my mom traveled a lot, so she wasn't home a lot. So when she was home and on the holidays, we got to eat like the more traditional foods. Okay, fun. So did you? When did you start becoming like passionate or I guess interested? in the cooking i know you said you kind of started with you know making you know just pizzas and stuff like that but how old were you did you kind of start having a fascination in the kitchen from a young age yeah it was i remember it very like vividly i was eight years old and i was at my aunt and uncle's house in ohio and we just did thanksgiving and it was great and then the next day we ordered pizza for lunch and everybody loves pizza and i'm like yeah so we're eating pizza and then he's like after lunch everyone asks like oh what do you want for dinner you know, because food's always on our mind. Of course. And of course, everyone said pizza again. So like, pizza again. So we're like, okay, what? pizza. Like, all the kids run off. And then I just I just noticed, like, later in the day, I smell like this. I smell something. I'm like, this, what does that smell? And it's it's this dough poofing. My uncle was making 
homemade pizza. You know, he's making tomato sauce. He's making this dough. And I'm like, I'm standing in the kitchen. I'm watching him roll out this dough. And I'm just fascinated. And I'm like, what is this on the bottom? I'm like, oh, he uses cornmeal to help it not stick to the bottom of the, the pan. And like, this is the dough. This is what it feels like. And I was just like, I was stuck at that moment. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, I didn't know you could make pizza from scratch. I thought you always had to buy it. Yeah. So it was like this moment for me to realize, like, you can pretty much make anything. You can control your food. You can make anything from home and i was eight years old and i was hooked he gave me a recipe and when i went home i made pizza for like three weeks straight like oh my scratch. god yeah it was crazy and when like, you were that young yeah i was in the kitchen cooking and it just expanded because i was i was the type of person like my parents worked a lot a lot a lot and they were gone from home so whenever my siblings had friends over i would be cooking for them and uh feeding my family leaving food for my parents when they got home waking up early making breakfast for them and, like it started from pizza and i ended up doing all that stuff from at a young age that that's so funny that pizza was like your original inspo dish but like just you know i would never have like guessed that with like the type of food that you make now (laughs) that it like all started with pizza right yeah that's what i'm saying like i love pizza and like it's i owe it to that and my uncle for getting me started (laughs) that's so funny so then you went to culinary school correct uh yes i did okay so when was that I went to culinary school right after high school. So literally, I turned 18. Two weeks later, I was gone in, in New York. And look at that. And so then what, I guess, what was your, from the time that you start, you know, this fascination with pizza to the chef you are now, what was kind of that journey like? Like, what was that culinary journey? Obviously, you really wanted to, you know, embrace more of like the Southeast Asian cuisines. But like, what was that kind of path like for you? Um. So like, you know, is is like feeling lost. I think it was a big part of it. It's like mm-hmm. food was exciting, but then I felt like there was always something missing. And I think over my time learning like French cuisine and being hammered in the mother sauces and basic yeah. stocks and you know uh, just classic French technique, I felt like there was so much more to learn. And then I started realizing like people look down on Asian cuisine. Like it's cheap. You know, it's. Uh, it's all the leftover meat, you know, we eat like garbage food. And I'm like, that's not true. Uh, and so like, I, I started to realize like, I love the flavors of, of Asia. And there's so many techniques mm-hmm. that I was never taught in culinary school. And I feel like just because that it felt inferior to, to French cuisine. And I just don't believe that. So like, now I'm really trying to just learn more of it because I feel like not learning my food or not learning the food from my, my history, my culture, it just makes me feel kind of, kind of lost. Like, I don't know who I am. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that I can find my way through food. Yeah. So I guess that is kind of an interesting question. So since it is very traditionally, you know, kind of French cuisine that gets taught in culinary school, is it then kind of up to, I guess, the chef to like try different forays into different things? Like you would think it would be sort of like a ro- a more robust, like well-rounded situation because it's not like every chef who goes through culinary school is going to work in a French restaurant. So mm-hmm. like, how does that work? Yeah, definitely. So they have the basic or the, the foundation is, is French French technique. So you learn French techniques, one-on-one, that's the whole thing first. And then later on, they offer like little micro courses of different cuisines of the world. So oh, I went to okay. the Culinary Institute of America. So they have like the different cuisines broken down. They have someone who specializes in Chinese food and they come in, they teach you a class for, you know, a couple of weeks and then that's all you get. So I think it's enough to get people curious and to, you know, get people more experience, but 
you compare that to the amount of time you spend learning about French cuisine and about the great French chefs, it's, it's incomparable, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm surprised it still is that way. Like, you know, I feel like that would be sort of a, an antiquated system, you know, you would guess. And then I guess you just get most of the experience working in the restaurants afterwards. Is that really how it works? Um, uh, yeah, kind of, you get, you get a kind of, uh, a taste of it right and then you go out and you find your way but even then you look at food you're like oh what is fine dining food is it because it has french technique involved because it's for the longest time that's how i explained my food um i cook fancy asian food because it's yeah. french style you know because i add butter and wine to it it's fancy now like it, yeah. it's, it just didn't it felt wrong you know so i'm like there's there's a way that i can incorporate traditional asian techniques into my food but also a little bit about uh, you know, about the techniques that I grew up in cooking and actually enjoy doing. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I'm glad that you are doing that. I mean, it seems like a, it makes more sense and more like authentic to you and more authentic to like what you grew up with and also like what you're passionate about. So it's, it's, it's cool to hear about. So what you went to culinary school and I know you have like a robust resume of places that you've worked since then. So do tell Joshua where, what, what, where did your journey take you after that? Oh man. So I was, I first did my externship, right. And I was late. Like I was like, I was applying for everywhere. Like, please anyone take me, I'll go anywhere as long as you pay mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so like two days before I left, I landed a spot and I ended up in John's Island resort in Florida and it was a great gig. Uh, I loved it. It's one of the oldest resorts in Florida. And I learned a lot there. I went through every station. And then before I went back to school, I got offered a job to work with Iron Chef Morimoto at the U.S. Open tennis tournament. So that was really exciting for me. And I just decided not to go back to culinary school. So I was like, oh, yeah. yo, I'm not going back to school. I'm just going to go pick up the job and see where it goes. I picked up the job working U.S. Open. It was like three weeks working like, you know, 12 hours a day with like uh three and a half hour commute and it was dumb i was living in new jersey with my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife and um yeah so i would drive her to school at cia then take a train down to queens it was the most it was terrible commute but i did that every day for three weeks and um yeah they really liked me for that and so they offered me a job in florida which actually ended up being morimoto's biggest restaurant um i went to go work there and open it up and just worked at Disney for a little bit at California Grill. I won a, I won a few word awards while I was working in Florida, which was really exciting for me as a young cook. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I got into competitive cooking at that time, and I've worked for Gavin Kaysen in Minneapolis, uh, James Beard winning, winning chef, Alex Roberts. I've opened, I think, over seven restaurants on the East Coast so far for, for different people, and, and now I'm in Jersey. Uh, yeah, I look at, at that. Yeah, I worked at 11 Madison Park prior to the pandemic. And then since the pandemic, now I opened my own little business, businesses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you've been all over the place and have like a very robust <laughs> set it's, of experiences. So it's like, it's cool. It's like taking you to a lot of different places too, it seems like. It's really exciting because that's how it happens. Like the first job I got, when I got offered the job for Morimoto in Florida, they didn't even tell me what day they were going to open. All it says, we're opening a restaurant in Florida and we want you to come be on our opening team. And I was like, okay, great. And like two months I moved down, I didn't hear anything from them. And really? my girlfriend had a job at Disney. So I was like, all right, I'll go help you move down there and see if they get back to me. No news for like a year and a half, two years. And so I started looking for jobs and I'm like, okay, I got, I got a job. 
it's great. And then they messaged me. And like, I didn't take anything with me. I literally moved down there with my knife bag and a backpack. And that was all I had. And then oh I ended up living gosh. in Florida for three and a half years. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, you can go anywhere with this career for real. Like with this, in this industry, you can travel a lot. You can, you just need some knives, man. Oh my God. I did. Yikes. Yeah. They really had you like on the edge of your seat there for quite Definitely. some time. I was young. I was dumb. I was just like, yeah, cool. Work for Iron Chef. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm sure you know better now than to, especially with the babies. <laughs> I got to be a little more responsible than that. So yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So then what is it that you, I guess, are working on now or like trying to, you know, looking forward into like how you shape the rest of your career? What are you like looking to do? Man. So I talk a lot about this empire that I'm trying to build, right? Like mm-hmm. everything backwards. It's my dream to own a restaurant one day and like I've worked in so many restaurants. I'm like, why do I want to own a restaurant again? Like, you know, <laughs> you're stuck here, you know, 16 hours a day. And then you when you're home, you're still working. So I do want to have a restaurant, but I don't want to be cooking all the time. You know, so I think what I would love to do is to build up this social media or like content creation type things, build up a, a brand that can travel worldwide without me having to actually travel. So being able to reach the most people um, from a single place is the idea. So uh, I want to expand my, expand my brand, Baby Daddy's Hot Sauce, and see it on more shelves in stores and in restaurants. Uh, that's that's the goal I have. I want to basically build this hot sauce company up, build a cafe, sell my own product in the cafe, <laughs> and then yeah. create, create my own content about my cafe, have my own travel TV <laughs> show. It's all the things I want to do. Like I'm so... I like. I change my mind so much about everything, but I love everything I do. So I can't give anything up. It's like, I should pull back on some of the projects that I'm doing, but they're so exciting for me to do. Yeah. You know, like I love creating content. I love shooting videos. I love cooking. I love feeding people. And it's just, I, I really feel like in time it's going to pop off for me. I just got to stay with it. It's only been 12 yeah. years, you know, and who knows what the next two years could, could hold for, for me. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I feel like it's, it's good that you love it so much. It would obviously be a lot harder to like spread yourself so thin if you didn't like it. You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard now and I love it. I can't imagine if I hated it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No. Yikes. And then I know, so you have an 18 month old. That's how old Jaden yeah, is. He's 18 months. My baby Jaden. Yes. Oh, and then you have another one on the way. Correct. Yes. Do October 15th, but nobody knows yet. It's oh, a secret. Boy. It's <laughs> we'll, a be an- <laughs> we'll be announcing it soon. Oh my gosh. Well, I am, I mean, obviously and your family's growing and it's, you know, all of it's kind of happening for you slowly, but surely. So it's kind of exciting to, you know, to kind of see that all unfold. So with you being, you know, as busy as you are, how do you, what is kind of like your cooking style when you're just like at home with your wife and baby? Like what are, what does a normal night of dinner look like <laughs> in the <Joshua's> world? <laughs> so like my wife will always try to order food because even though I want to cook for her, she'll want to order food so that I'm not cooking. So I'm not in the kitchen, but me, I'm always like, let me cook something for the week. Let me cook something for you for dinner. Like even if I'm at the restaurant all day and I come home, I'll still try to make her dinner. Uh, Even if I leave early, I'll try to make some breakfast for them. So they have something to eat when they wake up. And like my wife does not do the cooking at home. She'll feed, she's great at feeding the baby. But when it comes to her or me, like she will not be in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a baker she's a professional pastry chef and she crushes oh, cool. pastries, which is amazing but like yeah she'll stay away from the food and she'll leave it up to <laughs> so what, great- what kind of stuff do you make 
No, man. So honestly, whatever we have in the cabinet, you know, like, um, honestly, a lot of the videos that I make to entertain people is just me cooking whatever's in the kitchen. Like, I don't plan any of the content that I shoot at home most of the time. Really? I just film me cooking lunch and dinner. <laughs> and then, like, and that's and then smart. And it's smart because I utilize what I'm doing. And, like, I made a rule. I was like, if I'm ever cooking at home, I have to record it. You know, content is content. Wow. I'm like, it was, it, it's, it was really overwhelming for a time. And I actually started, I pulled back on that a little bit just because I was like, I need to cook for myself once or twice. Yeah. And it needs to just like, I mean, obviously you and I both know how much like longer it takes when you're like focused <laughs> on cooking for content versus just like cooking to like whip yourself something up. So I'm sure it was taking you like way too much time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, you know, there would be some times where like I have where I come in home between jobs and I would just like, okay, I got 30 minutes to make something for my family quick and I'll just whip up something. And yeah. it's always not the most easiest thing. Sometimes it's homemade pasta and spaghetti. Sometimes it's nachos out of a bag and thrown in the microwave. It's it's really whatever is the mood for the day, man. Like <laughs> it starts off by saying, like, "Hey, babe, what you want for lunch? What do you want for dinner?" And then she tells me, and we used to try to make it happen. All right. So, what is what is your wife's favorite thing that you make? Oh man, she loves nachos. <laughs> I, love, I love nachos. We love. I guess that. what's not to love exactly it's like our favorite we eat so poorly for being chefs like it's crazy i did not think that's what you were gonna say was your her favorite yeah i mean jesus you're like a michelin star like i've worked in michelin star restaurants and your favorite thing that you make is nachos no like yeah she like when i do like the fancy bougie dishes like she'll sometimes she'll eat it but then when i spend a lot of time making a dish that leaves room for her to critique it more she's like oh you should have done this a little bit better better the sauce is a little salty you know <laughs> like oh, this should be yeah she'll critique like the food i make for her for lunch and it's just like just eat it <laughs> yeah like jesus like where did you think you were <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fun for me because like it's a challenging thing like we always try to better each other throughout this uh -huh. whole process like even if we're just cooking for each other like you know we we cook to, for people to show them that we care and yeah that's how that's my love language is food you know if i can cook for you it means i love you you know so i always try to feed everybody like i'm close to and yeah so what is i mean it's probably an, an also an odd answer but what is Jaden's favorite thing that you make oh man uh it was really exciting uh yesterday actually i made some uh as a cambodian soup it's called slamachu it's like a tamarind based lemongrass herb uh soup with chicken yeah. chicken broth yeah. it's like one of my favorite things i ate growing up and i made it for him i actually made it for myself with some sticky rice and i got home from work and he was like crying he woke up as soon as i got home and i was like are you hungry so i heat up some food and i let him try it and he loved it i was like bro you love yeah i was so excited because i was like this is the first time i got to feed you cambodian food and like he was crushed that he ate all the like, chicken, he ate all the rice, and he was happy about it. I'm like, oh my it was gosh. so exciting for me to watch him eat it. Like, I recorded him eating it, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a good boy. I mean, right? it's, that's great because, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, babies, I mean, they're just picky. Like, there's no way to know, like, what they're going to like and not like. But that's, like, amazing. It's like he knew, like, his little – his DNA was wired to, like, to like that food. <laughs> Yeah, but he's just he's just like me. Like if it's if it's bread, if it's fried, if it's rice, if it's a carb, he'll he'll like it. Oh he's, my god. Yeah, he's a potato guy. He loves potato chips, french fries. 
he likes my goodness well i'm so excited that he liked that soup yeah did you did you post that video i want to see it i I didn't post it yet because like i've been a little busy with everything but i will it's it's like a six and a half minute video just not like eating it and me like screaming in the background (laughs) it's it's super cute yeah you'll cut that down it'll be no problem right 10 second video (laughs) yeah exactly just the best parts just the best parts so do you hope that he and then like you know your next kid and if you have another kid after that do you hope that you kind of like pass down your love and passion for cooking to them yeah definitely you know i don't think they need to be chefs you know i don't think that's a thing if they want to be great but i really think that cooking is such a great skill and it teaches you way more than just how to put food on the plate right it teaches you respect for ingredients respect for people it teaches you organization it teaches you you know mise en place everything in its place and mm-hmm. you know responsibility and timing so i'm like if you can learn if you can cook you can really do anything and i would love if they they cook with me like i feel like that would be like the perfect of a, a picture of a perfect family right just like yeah. You come home, you're making dinner with your kids, rolling out pasta, making raviolis, you know, or cooking rice, whatever it is, like, you're doing it together. And then you all sit down and you eat together. Like, that's, like, the dream, right? Dream family yeah. in my mind. But oh. it's, like, the exact opposite right now. Like, when the baby – we eat all at different times because when the baby's eating or somebody's cooking, it's always, like, either I'll cook the food and then – I'll eat while I'm cooking so that my wife can eat afterwards and then I can take the baby, (laughs) you know? So it's like, you know, we alternate. So uh, you can only do so much right now. (laughs) Exactly. And in time when they get older, but you know, the the first couple of years are the hardest ones, but it's been, it's been amazing for sure. Yeah. And you're about to start all over again. (laughs) Right. Just when you think you figured it out and just hit the reset. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Buckle up. But no, that's so cute. And I mean, I think that would be, I'm sure like your passion is going to kind of like, I feel like all of us who are, you know, very passionate about food now, I don't think I've talked to anybody that is doing this for a career who didn't have at least one, if not multiple family members who were also like, really big and inspiring them to get into that. I feel like it's, it plays a big role for sure. And I'm sure he really looks up to you and, you know, if you love it, he'll love it. So I imagine there'll be adorable, adorable content coming out any day now of you guys like cooking together. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. He's in the kitchen with me all the time. Like when I'm cooking, he's always in there. And like when he was first born, that's when I first got into making content and I would film from like, midnight to three o'clock in the morning because that was like the only time I had that was quiet Mm -hmm. and he would wake up in the middle of night sometimes and instead of just like waking up every half hour I would just stay awake so when he woke up I would just attach him to my body and I would put him in the kitchen with me and I would just be cooking making videos with him on my body (laughs) you know sleep. yeah so there's all these videos in the past of like me cooking with one hand holding a baby (laughs) like it was just like it was crazy stuff that I was just doing to just to keep cooking content cooking up content and to spend time with a baby so it's it's crazy I like I can't even believe that happened and that was just over a year ago or almost I know and I can't believe you were doing that all with one hand I mean it's hard enough with two (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how I like you know it's it's it's, cooking's a challenge you know life is a challenge you get you just gotta enjoy it sometimes you know Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I would be shocked if he didn't like grow up to love it just by like all those. (laughs) I'm sure he's already like starting to have some of those like memories of being in the kitchen with you and 
I'm sure you're a great person for him to learn from. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to have a lot of pressure. Big shoes to fill, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, it was like my dad kind of helped me with like learning how you know, just the basics and fundamentals of cooking, but, you know, with the level of like skill that you have, like, it's like, all right, son, we're going to whip you into shape. <laughs> no, that's, what, that's what it comes down to. So like food should be an experience that you enjoy. Cause like, if you, like, if it's critical and it makes you upset and uh, feel bad about yourself the entire time, then why do you stick with it? You know, unless you're like crazy, like misogynist, like, I guess most chefs are like, they love the pain, which is weird. Yeah. They yes. don't stick it out. Like, you know, it's nourished by love food is love right and that's a lot of my business name like love food more like yeah is i know you love food but i want you to love food more because when i realize like the power of the word love it's like you never really love anything enough you always learn to love it differently when you experience something new like if you have a new dish it can open up so many realms to like flavors you never knew you could have and unlock the feeling you never had before and it's just like i don't know food is a very passionate thing because if you're willing to share food with people i think you'd really be willing to share anything with anybody so it's it's, yeah for sure well that's a very wise way to put it joshua (laughs) (laughs) was wise or just like late night thoughts or just like you know like shower thoughts (laughs) just shower thoughts yeah write it down my sleep deprived thoughts about this point (laughs) yeah my yeah i mean clearly yeah you got you're very busy man so (laughs) Those those late nights are starting to get to you. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're you have some 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 good ideas. No, but no, it's true. It is very it's a very beautiful thing. And I think, you know, to be able to share that with your family is like kind of the the peak idea for a lot of people. So I mean, I hope Jaden starts to like it and take mm-hmm. an interest in it because that would be super, super cute. <laughs> <laughs> right? Cute is the most important. So cute, so cute. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 Potato Chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Time for Lunch podcast, and one way that Heritage Radio Network has impacted me is it has given me the opportunity to sit down and talk with hundreds of people from all over the world and different cultures, and it is always eye-opening the things that I learn and get to share on Heritage Radio Network. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes educates and empowers join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member today thank you for your support so what type of like I guess, what are you as a chef? I know we talked about what you want to do kind of like with career and all that, but is there any, 
I know you've been kind of on this ongoing journey to discover your, I guess, place in like different cuisines and just like in the culinary world. Is there like a certain type of cuisine that you're really trying to tackle on next or get better at one of the ones you are good at or like what's kind of next for you in like the culinary sense? So that's a great question. I, I, I really want to focus on Cambodian food. Mm-hmm. So I'm half Cambodian, I'm half Thai, and I feel like that is one cuisine that I love so much, but I've always been intimidated by. And when, right. usually when I'm intimidated by something, I just back away from it. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like, that's the big reason why growing up, when we had family gatherings or when I was cooking with my mom, I never made it, Cambodian food with her. I didn't even watch her cook. I would just make what I knew how to make and let her do everything else because I was scared to cook it, you know? It was something that has almost traumatized me in my my younger years, like being made fun of for eating weird smelling things or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, it, I've always stayed away from it. Now I'm embracing it. Now I love it. And now I'm not scared to show it. Like Cambodian food, Thai food is what I want to cook because I think one of the only Cambodian restaurants in New York City shut down during the pandemic. Really? Yeah. It was, I can't remember the name. I think it was called Angkor um, or Pinnell. I, I can't remember. I took my mom there when she came to visit me and um, they closed. And I was just like, is this a cuisine that everybody's just going to sleep on? You know, like yeah. it's, 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 it's something that I think is hard to, for me to translate because I feel like, maybe once I realize what the, the lost history of is like the, the, the history of Cambodia is so dark, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the Khmer Rouge, the, the genocide. And like, these are things that my mom lived through. My mom lived through the killing fields, you know, Jeez. and she came over to America and, you know, she lost some of her siblings. And she tells me all these stories about running through the rice fields uh, and hearing bullets flying past her head. Oh my gosh. Piles of dead bodies. Like, you know, this is like things that she tells me. Like, it's yeah. hard to even like you can't even imagine living through that and like the story one time she told me it was the most craziest thing she was telling me they were hiding in like a farm and there was a bit one of the uh the people that they're she's running with had a baby and the baby started to cry and the mom covered the baby's mouth until it passed out like to keep it from crying because if they found them then everybody probably would have died you know oh my god I can't even imagine like living through that situation where you have to like suffocate your cat, your child or everyone's going to die. That's with you. And I'm like, that's insane. And so like, she, she, like, we, we barely talk about this, you know, because it's such a hard thing to talk about. Like who wants to relive these moments? Right. These traumatizing moments. And like, I, I can see it. It's difficult for her to talk about. It's even difficult for me to listen to her talk about. And, but at the same time, like we have to embrace this because these are stories that, that nobody really knows about, you know? We know about the Holocaust, but does anyone, do, do, do most, a lot of people know about the killing fields and Pol Pot? Like, I don't think so. Right. And so I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm the right person to bring that information up or to like, you know, re- rediscover Cambodian cuisine. But at the same time, um, who's going to do it, you know? Right. Yeah. If not you, then who, you know? Exactly. So I think I, I really want to just have to embrace it and continue to learn more about it and ask questions to the right people and to mm-hmm. just cook it. You know, the question is, how am I going to cook it? Am I going to, you know, bring my mission and start training into it? Because I, at the same time, like, I'm not just Cambodian, you know, 
I want to still be able to cook food and express myself and put on the plate, whether it is Cambodian, whether it is Thai, whether it is a Michelin star plating or presentation or uh, preparation. Um, you know, it's that's the joy of food. It's, it's a great way to express yourself. And I'm really looking forward to doing more of that in the future. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like a very like important and like worthwhile way to move forward with your culinary journey. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's cool to watch and it's cool to like, you know, hear you talk about it. And I think that you, I mean, everybody obviously has a unique culinary perspective, but of course, so is yours, you know, being half Cambodian and half Thai. I I don't think I know anybody else who's half Cambodian and half Thai. So it's like, it's a very unique, you know, picture to paint with, you know, food of all things. So I think that's just really, really cool to, to hear about and just to watch you do. So do you have like a signature dish right now? Yeah, so I made a dish actually, and it got me an awarded to uh, compete top ten young chefs in the United States, uh, awarded by San Pellegrino. Oh, so cool! Competition I did when I was twenty-two years old, and I made this dish I called rice fields, and it was my tribute to like not like tribute, I guess like in memory of like the killing fields. Uh-huh. Uh, me trying to tell the importance of rice in in Southeast Asian culture. So I prepared a rice 11 different ways um, and I put it in a bowl and that, that was it. And basically what it was is like a, a, a Cambodian porridge we call babua and it's like seasoned with this very aromatic krung paste, which is lemongrass, galango, kaffir lime leaf, garlic and shallots all pounded together with some turmeric. Yeah. And then I made like a scallion oil and then I made like a toasted rice uh, snapper mousseline. And it was like a really beautiful dish. I don't, I'm not gonna lie; like it was very. That sounds so good. <laughs> it was. Like, it was, like, it was like, the focus was rice, so I used, you know, black rice. I used Cambodian rice, um, rice oil, you know, fermented rice, a bunch of different uh, preparations of rice, and it created this dish that like told a story. And that was one of my most proudest dishes. I don't actually serve that anywhere, but. Right now I'm just like serving up chicken and waffles and things that people like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, giant wontons, stuff like that, all the Instagram type food. But eventually I want to be able to tell a story uh, through my food. Wow. Well, that is, I mean, that sounds so good. (laughs) Yeah, man. Everything, everything's good. I think everything has a place for this type of food you make. And that's the thing. It's like, I like so many different things. Like I love, I love making junk food, man. Like bar food, like nachos, chicken wings. Like those are some of my favorite things to make. Like, I don't know why. Um, it's just so comforting, you know, to have like a hot dog or a giant slice of pizza. It's so delicious. But then when I can really get in my zone and just, you know, geek out on some, you know, 10 hour, 24 hour, three day techniques, like it's, it's really fun, but I don't really have time to do that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who does? Who does? But I say, yeah, like, like I, I, I came up with a quote. I was like really excited about it. I was like, life is like cooking, you know, the best ingredient is time. And that's just like how it is. Like some, the only difference between a lot of these re- signature recipes and Michelin star restaurants is the time they put into the dishes. Yeah. The prep, you know? Fascinating. Well, I guess, yeah, that's what we, that's not something that you're going to have more of really anytime. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why we have the microwave, man. Yeah. You're just going to have to make it work, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, Josh, it has been such a pleasure learning more about you. Like it's so cool to hear more about your story and everything that, you know, you want to do as a professional and as a chef. And it's just, you know, 
a pleasure to hear more about it. Was there anything that I didn't ask you that was important to share? Uh, <laughs> you know, no, I think it was great. I think uh, it covered a lot of topics. It was fun to be able to talk and tell my story and yes. kind of discover myself here on, <laughs> on this recording. But Yeah, seriously. You know, it's, it's, it's great. I think we can learn a lot about ourselves through food. We can learn a lot about people through food, you know. And uh, I think that's it. Just share a meal with somebody. You never know what you're going to learn. So thank you for Amen having me. To it, was that. it was a real pleasure to talk yes. to you. Amen to that. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.